All right, marketologists, we have another marketing strategy session. Today, I have Joe Martinez with me, and you've heard of him, so I don't even have to introduce him. I mean, he's on every major, I would say, uh, publisher out there. You've got Search Engine Land. You've got SMX. You've got all the majors. He, he's had his hands in a lot of content you've seen out there, um, and he honors us with allowing us to talk about paid advertisement. And so, Joe, thanks for coming on the show. Jeff, thank you for having me. Cool to be and here. And I, I know you love talking about paid ads, and there's so many things that are changing with paid. Um, we can talk about the different platforms, and we'll focus in on, on YouTube, because, um, you know, that's something that you really specialize in. Um, and, you know, let's just talk about paid ads. It's changed a lot over the past, I would say, couple years, but definitely over the last five years, it's changed a lot. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it, it's still tough to change people's mindsets. I think everyone likes to run to just Google and Facebook right away. They see the big players and they think they have to go there. But so many changes within the past couple of years, heck, even the year alone with, with these channels were now, I wouldn't say it's making it more difficult, um, but it, it's they're making things where we're losing control. And yeah. there's ways where I like to change people's mindsets of saying like, yes, Google and Facebook are still extremely important, but there are so many other channels out there. And a lot of these channels, one, they all have different targeting options that are unique to all these channels that Facebook and Google don't offer. And oh, not wow. only that, are they less competitive um, mm -hmm. So it's cheaper. So you can, there's ways of finding your target audience besides just Google and Facebook. And I would rather put my ads in front of the right user first and mm -hmm. then expanding your reach by just looking at sheer volume. If all these other channels aren't hitting the volume that you need, but to me, it comes down to the user, the person you're trying to target, find the right user first, no matter what platform they're on. I, I, okay. Jeff, I'm pretty sure you visit more websites than just Google and Facebook, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> so you, like people don't go to just Google and Facebook, no matter how popular you are. So that's something where we need to change our minds of just being focused on one channel. Okay. And that's real interesting, especially since everybody's teaching. Let me show you how to get rich off Facebook. Let me show you how to get rich off Google. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting with all these other channels. So you've got like, I know... Bing, or is it Microsoft Advertiser? I don't know what they call it now. Yep, yep, it's Microsoft Ads, but it's on the Bing search engine. So it's yeah, they they changed it to have just like Google it used to be AdWords. They they purposely changed it to Google so that brand name sticks. So Microsoft wants consistency. That's why they changed their name. Okay, yeah, because I was like, wait a minute, it's on Bing, but it's called this. And then, yep. even what was the one that? Oh, Verizon. That one shocked me. The Verizon advertisement platform, yep, which is native really ad. on the Verizon phones. It's no, its own network. Yep, That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, native platform, and we can go through another one of my favorites is Cora, the question and answer site. They you know, have we, ads, really? Yes, they do, and you could target specific questions. If you only want your ad on one question, you can do that. That's another. That's a perfect example of unique targeting options that each channel offers. Um, we do. Uh, Spotify ads for clients. So we'll target specific genres of you know music playlist or podcast lists. So we can do that from there. 
TikTok has ads and there's different ways that you can reach your users off of there. Um, we've run ads on Snapchat and they have specific like Nielsen demographic ratings that you can't get elsewhere. Oh, Twin- wow. Yeah, and we run ads on Twitter and I, I can go for you know, a long list of all the like the other native platforms like the Tubulas and the Outbrains, those types of ones where you could see there's a lot of different ad platforms. We've done ads on um I mentioned Spotify, right? So like Hulu, mm-hmm. we started to do okay. advertising for by genres of TV shows. If you can have a wider reach and have the good video content to use, you can see where you could target a variety of different people, but then find specific niches that will be better off depending on what brand you are, or what your goals are. Well, how do you keep up with all that? I mean, how do you juggle all that? It's, it's hard enough just trying to keep up with the big two. You know, how do you like say, like for instance, I remember Twitter. I was looking at Twitter. I said, oh, Twitter might be nice. And then they used to have this thing where you would pay, I think it's $100 a month. And it was just like one flat fee for the whole yeah. month or something. But then they did away with it. And, um, and it was like, is Twitter really working or not? I mean, how do you keep up with it? Because everybody is so different and, and it's hard to kind of dig in and go down a rabbit hole and then find out, well, this might not be for me. Yeah. Uh- First one, which I know people won't have, not everyone's going to have this luxury, is that we work with a variety of clients that can play with all these different ones. So I'm lucky enough to kind of already be in these. But even if I'm not, like currently right now, I'm not doing any Apple search ads. So anyone who runs apps on iOS devices, Mm -hmm. they have their own ad platform. So I they have an official blog. Pretty much every ad channel out there has an official block and I have all of them bookmarked and the the more popular ones that I use often I'm checking at least once a week and then the other ones like like the Apple search ads or anything I'm finding like once a month I'm sneaking back has anything new happened no okay you know and then I'll I'll check back frequently but but besides that and I think Twitter there's a, a big paid ads community on Twitter that we follow with hashtags. I think the most popular one is hashtag PPC chat, all one word. Um, so those are like people just share ideas. They share announcements and just keeping really? up, up to date. Yeah, I usually have a Twitter feed up on all time and we're just keep, keep making sure that the knowledge is there. And okay, I think that's the beauty part of like the paid media community is that we're just digital itself is we're a very open and sharing community. Uh, people yeah. are more than happy to one share information, give their experiences, give their recommendations. And why mm-hmm. I'm, I guess I'm, I'm this <laughs> on this show as well. So I think it's just, you have to kind of have that motivation and drive and dedication to seek this stuff out. But okay. the resources are right there at the tip of your fingers. You don't have to do a ton of digging. Okay. Okay. And you said that's PPC check or PPC chat? Chat. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah. okay, no, 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 no. I just wanted to make sure because I'm definitely be on that. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm definitely going to be on it right after the show. So good. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And, and so instead of getting all caught up into the advertisement hype that they're doing to advertise to you, so you can advertise on their platform, basically you're saying, okay, be familiar with everything, but understand who your audience is and where they go, and then use that platform as your platform to start with. Yeah, and, and we, I mean, for us, when, when a client comes to us, you know, the first thing we ask is, 
who's your target audience and what are mm-hmm. your goals of this campaign? Right. Um, you know, we, I've worked with a lot of B2B lead gen type clients and that one will typically run to LinkedIn first, just yeah. with, do with all the professional demographics and all the unique targeting options there. So mm-hmm. I know depending on what type of client is, if they're going to LinkedIn, I'm going to immediately dive into my favorite targeting options on that channel and then okay. provide that to the client. However, since Microsoft owns LinkedIn, there is some LinkedIn targeting options within Microsoft ads. So just being in knowledge that I can provide those alternative options. Then I can go to Quora, look up some professional topics there and say, hey, here's some other options in here. And this is all on top of the bottom of the funnel type keyword, you know, search network type campaigns that we would want to run along inside of it. But knowing what each channel offers Uh gives us a great head start for when a new client comes we know which channels to run to and research first to be able to provide that information back to the client. Wow. Wow. And you see, I'm trying to type it in. I don't know if I can even find it quick enough, but that was a mind blow right there. So I'm like trying to find a little, (laughs) (laughs) you know, especially Cora, I did not know that you could advertise on those questions. I mean, that used to be the strength that, um, um, LinkedIn had with the Q&A with LinkedIn and then they took it away. Yeah. I mean, that used to be so powerful when you're dealing with consultation and you're dealing with business, the business services. I mean, those Q&As were key. I don't know why they took it away. I really, really don't. Yeah. And and core is powerful. They don't have a ton of traffic. I mean, don't expect the volume of like a Google or Facebook, but the specificity of the targeting is crazy. So it's like my example I use, because I've used it a ton is I've had a few like CRM software clients. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. whole categories of CRM products. So if you target the entire topic, your ad can show on any question that would fall under that topic. So you can get as specific wow. as a single question or really expand the reach. And either it's, and then you could filter it between just when they're on that question at that very moment, or mm-hmm. you can do historically. They've interacted with this question at some point within the past 30 days. So it, it, there's, there's even levels of intent where someone's on there researching, mm-hmm. they're in the active mode. That is high intent. To me, that is much more specific than running just a display campaign. Because those yeah. people aren't looking for it. They could be on ESPN checking the scores and you could be, you can have an ad there. They weren't looking for it. But if they're yeah. looking for answers and solutions on a Q&A site, that intent is greater. Hence, that's why I'm going to go to that ad platform first if I'm looking for more bottom funnel goals. Wow. Wow. Now, what about retargeting? Can you retarget um, on that or off that platform based on like, so yep. my yep. mind is just going crazy right now. I'm, I'm 100 miles per hour. So Let's say you get on there, they then from that question, maybe let's say go to your website. Now you have it pixel, and now you can retarget on another website uh, or platform based on that, or do they have their own type of integration and retargeting, remarketing type thing? Cora does have retargeting. So you can't, I mean, you can't retarget to people from certain there's question retargeting on Quora, but it stays on the platform. So okay. from that aspect, if they go from Quora to other websites, you can't really retarget them that way. It's more the flip side where if okay. they visited your website and then go back on Quora, you can put an ad no matter what question they're on. So it's okay. kind of that your okay. website visitor retargeting. And they also have 
customer match, you know, upload your email list and, you know, get in front of users that way on the core platform. Uh, And then they also have lead gen ads too, just like LinkedIn or Facebook. So you can collect information directly from a core ad. Wow. Yep. Wow. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That's, that's two things right there. I was like, wow. So we were supposed to be talking about YouTube, <laughs> but I was like, Cora has lead gen ads as well, or at least lead gen extensions. So from YouTube ads now, you could you can start collecting people's names, emails, phone numbers, other information directly from a YouTube ad. Um, okay. Because and I think these platforms are connected because people want to stay on the website. People go to Cora. People who go to Cora stay on for longer, especially from a mobile uh, app. Same thing with YouTube. When people go to YouTube, they like to stay on that platform for longer periods of time. It's usually not just a quick visit. Uh, So when that, with a a lead form, you're keeping that user engaged with the content they actually wanted to see and you're not really annoying them. When I go to YouTube, I don't want to go to your website. I I don't want to sign up for your demo. I don't want to sign up for your web paper. I want to listen to the music I came. I want to watch the video I want. So if you have an engaging video ad on YouTube, pop in that lead form, it only shows up on mobile devices as of now, Um, then the user can quickly just submit the information. Most of it's going to be auto-populated from their Google profile if it's filled out. And then they can submit it. You got a lead, keep it top of funnel, and then let the user get back to what they were doing. Then you can take that information and hopefully it's plugged in your CRM and then have your sales team follow up, run your email marketing campaigns, run your um, customer match type campaigns, and I think that's the importance of keeping the user on the platform, especially okay. with what's going on with like Facebook and Google this year of a lot of third-party data going away. Yes. It's going to be extremely important for users to start collecting as much first-party first data as possible. And having okay. a simple top-of-funnel lead form is a really great way to do it. And YouTube is extremely cost-effective. Okay. Now, with that, though, so... You are now depending on your standings with that platform. How do you recommend best practice wise of exporting your your leads and so forth? So, for instance, I was on one platform that I will remain nameless that basically the account was frozen. And so when the Hmm. account was frozen due to their payment source need to be updated, they could not export their leads. So now their leads are stuck on this platform versus if they had it in their own, you know, email list or 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 their own CRM. So do you have like a schedule to say, okay, every day at this time I export or maybe integrated with the Zapier or something and yep. it, just have it. You you said it pretty much all my clients use Zapier. Okay. It, it's it's just the easiest way to do it. Um yeah, it's one of those things where like, yeah, I'm not your sales team. When people hire me, I like, I'm here to do your ads. I'm not your sales team. Uh, yeah. If your sales team wants to work, they can go on and export them themselves. That's just that's my okay. that's my that's my hot hot opinion. It's like, but Zapier is the easiest one uh, to okay. go in and just start feed them back. And to me, if if you're doing any lead gen and you don't have a CRM. To me, that's kind of crazy because there are a lot of affordable options out there, even for small businesses. So yeah. I, I think you need a CRM. You need to start understanding 
who is filling out the forms because there's so many times where we can run lead gen campaigns on any platform and it'll mm-hmm. perform very well. We'll get a ton of leads, but we've had clients that don't have a CRM or they can't tell us the quality of them. You know, are they actually yeah. becoming long-term customers? And yeah. that is yeah. extremely important to me. You can't do any decent marketing unless, unless you know how many of these are actually turning into money in business. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because they might have just clicked it because your ad was funny or, you know, yeah, and, a whole and, lot of different things. And every lead form on all these channels, they'll have the autofill fields. You know, they'll pull the name and the email from the user's profile. And if it's already there and they have to click one button, they might not really want it. You're not really making them work hard for it. It all yeah. could be accidental. Um, so it, it's really having that qualifiers of finding out if they're a legit good fit for what you're okay. trying to sell. Okay. Now with the lead forms, I know on like Facebook, um, sometimes it can be a little more cost costly mm-hmm. um, once you go that route. Have you found that, you know, with your clients and testing or found, you know, certain type of lead forms or the way they get to the lead form uh, is, is more efficient than another way? Because I know sometimes they can, depending on your industry, now certain type of lead forms, they were great. But some industries, they were kind of pricey to do the lead forms. Yeah, for us, that's one of those glorious, it depends answers. Because <laughs> one, it, we will look specifically up, do they have good targeting options for whatever industry you're trying to advertise for? You know, okay. there are a, a lot of interests over the past couple of years that have actually been removed from Facebook just due to the privacy updates and, and everything. And we've lost some interest targeting ones. So if, if you have a very specific uh, targeting option that you find in Facebook that fits your business itself, we mm-hmm. found it work very well. Now, at the same okay. time, kind of going back a little bit to what we're saying, we'll look at, yes, the lowest cost per lead possible is always ideal, but we like that information from the back and say like, are these legit leads? I'm willing okay. to have a higher cost per lead if I know it's turning out to end up with more business in a higher lifetime value. So, you know, one of the things that we like to do is we'll put a qualifying question, make the user work for it. One, they can't, this is not a question that's going to be auto-populated from their profile. It's going to oh, ask yeah. an extra question where they will have to actually work and fill it in. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll say like, we've worked with some enterprise clients. So we'll say like, what's your company size? So okay. the one they'll have to work for Two, you know, that lowest option could be like, 500 plus just to weed out anyone who doesn't have 500 employees working at their business. Yes. We're going to get a lot less people filling it out, but that's okay. We don't want to waste our time with people who can't use our product. You know, that's a waste in itself. So we have to look at what's important for the longer business in itself. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be depending on, I guess, the account that we're managing. And that makes sense because I mean, though you may be getting them at a lower cost, if they're not qualified, then you're paying for it's Not still a waste of money, money <laughs> but you're wasting time too, because your yep. salespeople got to follow up hundred percent. So, yes. you know, that's waste on both ends, which is costing you more than a qualified lead, even though it's a higher, higher cost per lead. Yep. So, yeah, so yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. It's all where the, the backend data is more important. Although otherwise you see a lot of paid media markets be like, Oh, look how low we have your cost per lead, you know, the vanity yeah. metrics. But if it doesn't really help the business, then who cares how low the cost per lead is? Yeah, and that 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 is something that's hard when you're talking um, strategy. That vanity metrics, even though we know, it's sort of like 
I hope no kids are listening to this show. It's sort of like <laughs> Santa Claus. You know it's not real, but you want to believe it's real. So you look at the vanity metrics and you know it really isn't going to, you know, make a difference in your business in, in that sense. But you still want to just see it. I've yeah. got a million people that like this, this particular post. You know, I'm in the million club. And then it's like, well, how many people converted? Well, nobody converted, but, but yeah. a million people like my post. <laughs> See, see, and there's an onus on both sides. You know, the, I've always worked kind of like agency style, so I've never worked in-house. So this is only from my point of view. And I think it's from the onus from the agency or whoever's managing your account to ask for that deeper information, to understand mm-hmm. that there's more than just what the channel shows you in the interface. Yeah. On the flip side, if your agency has asked you for that information and you don't give it to them or you're not set up internally to provide it for them, that's not your agency's fault. That's your fault. So yeah. like you have to be set up to make them succeed or you have no right going back to them and be like, well, well, none of them have turned into clients. Well, they don't know that unless you give them that information, unless you're set up to help them get that information. So there's, there's responsibility yeah. on both sides to really have a good successful partnership. Yeah. And a lot of times when I talk to, to my clients, I tell them it's all in setting up your strategy up front and setting up all of that information before you start advertising. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people want to do it while it's in the air. Oh, we spent, you know, X amount of dollars in advertisement. We haven't seen anything. It's like, well, have you set up your analytics yet? Oh, no, I, I haven't set that up. Well, how do you know if you haven't converted? Damn. And then it's like, well, you know, how are you capturing them? Well, we're sending them to our website. Well, how are you capturing the leads? We send them to our website and it's like, well, that doesn't say anything, you know, (laughs) your website just has a phone number and a contact form, you know, so it's it's like set all that up. Like you said, that way you have your checks and balances and you can say, okay, we know it came from this source. This is how many people converted, you know, even if you don't have it to where you should say this lead source actually sent it all the way through the process. I know at least they got to this point. And from this point, when we got on the phone with them, that's on the sales guy. Yeah. So yeah. he might not have typed in, I converted this guy, or I did, but we know at least it got to the call. Yeah. So, you know, it, that's important. And we like to use that information for audience segmentation as well. So, you know, I mentioned like Cora and YouTube, people like to be on the platform. We'll use that a lot for industries for very high level conversions, just a newsletter sign up or just download this PDF type thing. We're not asking for the sale right away. It's some higher level touch point. So once we get that higher level information, we know people are in this area within the sales funnel. So we can have an audience off of those users who created that just like newsletter sign up, very high level action. And then we'll do remarketing, retargeting on all these variety of platforms that make sense to then try to get them deeper to the next step. So it's, we okay. use that to try to differentiate our message too. So someone who signed up for a newsletter, they've been to our website, they're already familiar with our brand. We want to make sure that they're excluded then from the top of funnel campaigns. And then they're only seeing the next step within okay. the process. So we're not overlapping messages and it's confusing. Someone who signed up for the newsletter, we don't want them to see a newsletter ad again that, that yeah. doesn't make any sense we know we want them to try to get money off of them now so yeah. <laughs> it's i think yeah. that's where having that built in in the back end can really help up come with a full strategy to 
depending on how long your sales cycle is, there's going to be different businesses out there, but try to keep them moving along to eventual final conversion. Okay. And also it's good for checks and balances with the platform because I, you know, I know there's been times where I've seen, and I'm sure a lot of you out there have seen where you're scratching your head and you're saying, well, they're saying this is how many people they sent us. They're saying this is how many people click, but I'm looking at my, let's say Google analytics and I haven't seen that many people to the website period, you know, and so it's sort of good so you can check some check and balance what your ad spend is saying and what you actually are getting um, and, and make modifications. I mean, it's not like you can really call them up and say, hey, you said you sent me this, prove it and give, yeah. or give me my money back. Yeah. But at least moving forward, you can make some adjustments. Yeah. Yep. No, nope. that all makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. I keep wanting to go to back to core, but we we will not. We said we're going to talk about YouTube. Let's do it. We'll <laughs> so, do a part two down the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I I want to know about core. I'm like, wow, who knew? But on YouTube, you see all these videos, all these, you know, rags to riches videos <laughs> to mansion and vacation videos to you. You see all of this, but then. You see those that are being, I guess you would say, more down-to-earth authentic. And then you've got the high-polished commercials. Yep. I know each business is different, but in approaching YouTube advertisement, what are some of the best practices you would recommend? Yeah. Uh, one, I like to have the mentality of it is for your business. Don't think that you need this Coca-Cola quality you know, video commercial to be successful on YouTube, because that's mm-hmm. not true. Um, you know, one, YouTube has a free video builder tool where you can try to just build using one of their templates and a variety oh, wow. of, they'll, you can make like a 15 second ad, a 30 second ad, and it's free. It's not going to be as pretty as you'd probably like it to be, but it's a good thing to at least just test it out. Um, so one, that, that's a notion I, I need to toss out there. Um you know, some of the best practices I do is is try to come up with video options. Once you have some sort of video in place, I, my phone's kind of connected right now, but we all have high quality cameras in our pockets at all time. You right? you can do some sort of recording and then okay. cheap, cheap software. Like my person for my partner and I at our YouTube channel, we use Camtasia to edit it. So okay. it's like we only paid a couple hundred bucks for a lifetime subscription. And then even if you only can afford one decent video, See how you can edit it in a variety of different ways to test out different creatives to see what's going to engage users the most. Because I I personally say I I have a very short attention span. I hate seeing the same commercial like two, three times in the same day. Please don't think that you can create one video and run a six month campaign. You're going to annoy a lot of users seeing the same video over and over again. You have to switch it up. But then if you're doing the in-stream ads, which are the ones that can appear before, during the middle, or potentially at the end of the video that you're actually watching, you Mm. see most of them, you can skip around the five, six second mark. So from an advertiser's perspective, we want to test out a variety of different video creative to get that user to not skip. You know, you have five, six seconds to hook that user in to eventually we want them to keep watching. And there's two reasons why we want to do that is there's like an unofficial quality score with video ads. The longer that user watches your ad, 
the less you'll actually pay for your ad if you have to pay okay. for it at all. Um, and then the, the second reason is one, we, there'll be uh, call to action extensions on the ad itself. So if the user's watching it, there can be a little pop-up saying click here and then that could drive more traffic to the website. Now that okay. could, it'll always appear on the side, but if we can get it on the video where the user's eyes are, mm-hmm. the longer we can have them watch the video ad, the more likely we can get more traffic coming to the website. Okay. Um, and then one thing I said too, is like, if you have to pay for it, is if you're running those in-stream ads, like the, the pre-roll or mid-roll type ads, it, you only pay for that ad if the user watches at least 30 seconds or if the video is under 30 seconds that they watch the whole thing. And that's in the skippable oh. format. So it's a okay. huge opportunity for you to get a ton of free brand awareness and potentially not have to really pay for those video views. Uh, but oh, if they okay. if they do click on any of your extensions going to your website, that will count as a view and you'll be charged, but you'll be only charged once. It's whichever okay. action happens first. Okay. So they click more than one time. They see your ad and they click a few times every time it comes up, then it only charges once. So that keeps your competitor from basically running you up. Yeah. Um, and it, if they if they click on your brand name while watching the ad, go to your YouTube channel, you'll be charged for that click. But if they go and start watching other videos, they like your channel, they subscribe to your channel, they add your video to a playlist, you do not pay for any of those additional actions. Those are all called earned metrics. And we can watch those stats, not only in your YouTube analytics and YouTube studio, but also (laughs) Google ads has specific columns for these. When you're watching your video campaigns to see if people are engaging beyond the video ad to get a true sense of the worth. Because you- you, can't go into YouTube being like, it's going to convert just as well as my search ads. It won't. That's not the purpose. Again, people don't go to YouTube to sign up for your demo, to buy a t-shirt, whatever. So this is a great way for building awareness, but we can see in a lot of the metrics how YouTube has had an impact on that user's journey to eventual conversion. Okay. Okay. So, so that, you know, that's very interesting because you, you're saying, okay, you can make it basically to where they can get aware of your brand. You can get it to where if you do it correctly, your cost is very low. And in some t- some cases, it doesn't cost you anything. Yep. And th- you can now build pretty much a, a community, build a tribe around yes. it based on it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then YouTube is a platform. Like I said, every channel has unique targeting options. You know, YouTube is one of them. I think one of the more popular ones is hand selecting you know, if not every channel allows advertising, so this you know may not work all the time, but mm-hmm. you know there's a good chunk where you can just search specific YouTube channels or YouTube videos where you want your ads to be placed. You now, so if we, you know, I oh. do a lot of, yeah. So I could say, I I know my clients' audiences is huge in the tech industry. Well, maybe I'll I want all my ads on like the CNET website, you know, or any okay. sort of other tech w- websites. Like you can most likely do that. Um, a, a big thing within YouTube, which is great, is, is custom audiences, is okay. collecting very specific groups of keywords. But since it's a Google property, mm-hmm. these are like broad match related search queries that people have typed in on Google.com in the okay. past. So you're, you're pretty much doing like search engine history marketing with YouTube ads. So like one idea we like to do is just take all of our competitors' names. When, if you have all our clients' competitors trying to get in front of them with a video ad, knowing that they went to google.com in the past, and then we're searching for your competitors. Well, why don't you try to get in them with a potential very cost-effective video ad that's engaging 
and build awareness that way to try to steal some competitive market share. And then we can still drive traffic to the website in a variety of ways with YouTube. And you know, other keyword ideas, we try to take all your best converting uh, search queries and keywords within Google ads, come up with a custom audience from those. If you want to try to get in front of more people who are have searched for that on Google, try mm-hmm. to build that awareness while they're on YouTube. And then hopefully they'll remember your brand name, go back to Google, search for your brand name, which is of course going to be a lot more cost effective than bidding on more non-branded keywords. Wow. Wow. Now with your competitors, are you advertising on their channels as well, like over top of their videos, or do they kind of have a way to where they block you and say, Hey, you're in the same industry. You can't, you know, do that. If you can find them and you can get on there, absolutely try it. Yes, we, we have, okay. I have definitely have done it. Uh, it depends, like the channel needs to be built up to one to kind of accept ads. So there's a lot of channels out there that aren't even set up properly where you could okay. advertise on them. Uh, okay. Two, if they are paying attention, they have a right to exclude certain categories. So if okay. they excluded like their own category, purposely knowing that they don't want competitors on there, they can do that. So I know on, on okay. my own YouTube channel, uh, we, you know, we've excluded any religious or political ads to show up on our channel just because we want it to be about marketing and everything. Yeah. You know, we don't want to offend anyone right before they watch one of our videos because yeah. most people think we have control over which ads we're placing on there and you don't. So and it, there are specific categories that they could block it out. So it's never a guarantee, but definitely try it. Yeah, if you see your, your competitor showing up there and they have a ton of viewers, try to get ads on them. Most likely they're not paying attention and you could try to steal those users away. Yeah, wow. That is that is a good strategy right there. <laughs> that is yep. a great strategy. Wow. So since it is a Google property, does it tie into the other Google things like Google ads? And I know um, Google display, but also Gmail. And talk a little bit about Gmail because I, I heard Gmail is changing. I'm not saying I don't want to put out yeah. a rumor that it's going away, but I know it, they're changing the way they're doing it. Yes. Yes. So um, YouTube ads are part of Google ads. So in order to run YouTube advertising, you have to have your channel linked to your Google ads account. And then you, you'll you run video campaigns uh, via Google ads. So there's really no ad set up in your YouTube channel at all. It's all done through oh, okay. Google ads. Um, the beauty of that and how it kind of ties into the other formats is that there are specific audiences you can create from YouTube interaction. If mm-hmm. any, anyone who is engaged with your channel, you can create an audience off of that. Anyone who's watched any video on your channel, you can create an audience for that. People who've liked your videos, subscribed to your videos. If you only want to create an audience from people who watch this specific video just as an ad, mm-hmm. you can do that. So there's a, a variety of different YouTube engagement audiences that you can create. And then you can use those audiences for remarketing in display and RLSA search campaigns. So you can use it for even additional YouTube campaigns. So it's it's a great way since it's all first party, it's all Google owned property. If they're doing those engagement metrics, you build top of funnel awareness and then use that for your other campaigns to keep the user going down in the funnel. So that's where YouTube can be a very good top of funnel play just to start building that awareness. Um, Your Gmail question, yes. Dedicated Gmail campaigns in Google are going away on July 1st. Uh, that is because they are going to be rolled in to the new discovery campaign formats. So you're kind of, you could still 
put ads on Gmail, but you can't select only Gmail as a placement anymore, which sucks. I wrote a blog on it somewhere. I believe it's on WordStream of the changes that are happening, but there are unique features and a dedicated Gmail campaign that mm-hmm. aren't available in the discovery format. So it's not going to be an easy one-to-one switch. There are certain things that we're losing and that sucks. So <laughs> wow. yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's unfortunate. They're trying to make things easier and automated and, you know, yeah. it's, that Gmail was a, a sleeper. I mean, mm-hmm. I had one client that did very well with the Gmail campaigns at a yep. very low cost. I mean, yes. and a high conversion and actually interesting thing it i don't want to say it replaces email marketing but it somewhat replaces email marketing instead of building a list he just found his target and sent his ad to those targets as if he was sending his email to an email list yeah and we used to do when those first came out and they keyword targeting for gmail campaigns when they first came out worked differently than it does now uh, so we did a lot of contextual targeting when it first came out and just plugged it with our competitors' names and website domains. So we were saying if any, because you know, if they're getting, if people are getting emails in their Gmail from their competitors, you could be up there being like, well, I know they use my competitor's product. I know they're a relevant audience. Try to get yeah. there with a Gmail and just totally take it away. And then they changed how contextual targeting with keywords and the display and Gmail campaigns work and it wasn't as effective, but Man, so you, you got to milk some of that stuff all you can before Google changes it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's with all the platforms. It's like yeah. they, it's like they found out how they like this is making them a lot of money. Yeah. We got to change this. Yeah. <laughs> we got we got to change this. So, so yeah, yeah. I've, I've noticed once something starts to work for some reason, all of a sudden they make some algorithm changes, and now the policy change, and it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, and, and, and I, I think that's what's so frustrating, especially and, with the big players. Yeah, yeah. And, and Gmail ads too. Um, YouTube is another one where you could use the life events targeting option in Google, and okay. de- Gmail campaigns were the one where you can use it. And there's not a ton of industries that really fit with life events targeting, but there were some that were just perfect. And then to hit them with, we had clients that would use them. And, have dedicated Gmail campaigns. I was like, oh, if they don't add life events targeting to discovery, it's like, that's going to kill some really good campaigns we have running. Wow. Uh, but yeah, it's just, you, you got to roll with the punches. That, that That's this industry in a nutshell. You have to be able to adapt on the fly at any point and be ready to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you now, you know, I'm going to use that omni-channel term. A lot of times when I use it for, for clients, they're like, what are you talking about? And I know you're an agency, so you know omni-channel. So how do you kind of navigate them through the omni channels uh, when you're setting up these campaigns? Do you usually, like you were saying, you have YouTube at top of the funnel and then you say, okay, the next thing we're going to touch them with this and we're going to touch them with this and then we're going to hit them over here. You know, do you do that or do you kind of let it flow? And then as it gets into another channel, then start to optimize for that particular channel. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our first thing is we, we try to capture, I know, looking at the client, if we know they have decent brand awareness, they already have a decent amount of you know traffic to their site or whatever, we will look at bottom funnel first. We want to capitalize on all the people who are ready to buy, trying to make as much money as we can. And then as you know everything grows, then we start expanding our reach and start filling the top of the funnel. To be okay. clear, we always 
want to have some sort of top of funnel campaign so we don't start losing at any point. We want to make sure that there's something coming in at all times. But we also work with a lot of companies that have had, they're either fairly new, so people don't know who they are, or it's just such a niche industry that people don't search for it. You know, you have to constantly try to build that awareness. So once we kind of have our target audience set, Mm -hmm. Um, then we'll see which channels are the best. And we'll try to have the consistent message and consistent ad creative across all the different channels. So for, okay, I I know I keep going back to the same example, sorry, but like, you know, maybe we just want to promote a newsletter. So we will have the same message, the same call to action, the same offer, Mm -hmm. try to have the same creative as much as possible, knowing that it's different with what you can do on all the platforms, but spread that out towards the top if the targeting options are fairly consistent. And then once they perform that certain action, we'll do the same thing for the middle of the funnel, whether we're doing retargeting or anything, we'll want to have that middle funnel type action consistent. And then again, at the bottom. And as as the deeper as we get, you know, from the middle of the funnel action, let's say that's the demo or whatever, we'll make sure that the top of funnel call to action is excluded from anything lower. So we're segmenting out that creative and audience information as best as possible. We don't want to duplicate okay. users. One, that's a waste of money and it's just going to annoy users. So that that's okay. what we try to do depending on what the channel is. And it's not going to be linear across, again, just because ad formats are different between the channels. Mm-hmm. Targeting options aren't available on all the channels. So we do as best as we can of what makes sense. Uh, but sometimes like, you know, Reddit, we didn't even talk about Reddit has ads. Uh, people on Reddit do not want to be sold to. So I could probably ask for more on Quora, but on Reddit, I need to be a fun brand here to give you anything for free. I'm not asking for anything in return. Otherwise my ad is going to get trashed by people because Reddit has, they have no problem telling you that they don't like you. Um, <laughs> so it's from there, you can see even from that top of funnel perspective, we may need a completely different ad just to do some brand awareness and it all depends on the channel and the client. Okay. Okay. And have you seen like different formats perform different? I know that's probably a, a per client per channel, but like video ads and you've got banner and carousel. Have you, um, you know, yeah. seen the, any type of trends with, the, in regards to that? No, like in terms of engagement, yes. Video and carousel work best. And I'm thinking about like Facebook, particularly with these. However, sometimes we've seen when people engage with it more, the ads are more expensive because they are capturing more eyeballs. They are getting more engagement, but it doesn't mean we're always capturing the right user or the people that we want. So it's one of those things where we just have to test it out. I have one client right now where um, the carousel ads perform the best in in Mm -hmm. terms of quality but a single image ad has been the most cost-effective just because it it does get less engagement. It's a little bit more boring. We're getting more quantity-wise, but the quality isn't as good as the carousel. And that's not going to be the same for every single client. It's just something where we're we're constantly swapping out ads, you know, getting rid of the lower performing ones, testing out different ones to try to, like I say, climb the ladder one run at a time to improve those messages. But it's been fairly all over the board across the channels. Okay. Okay. And when you're testing, you're doing sort of like a handful, let's say three ads, then pull out the best performing, you know, and then, you know, test against, let's say two more ads and just keep on going that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll typically have three to four at a time. If the volume is there, sometimes we'll run more if the client can just 
pull it. You know, if they have a bigger budget, we can get yeah. a lot more going at, at the same time. But yeah, initially, if I'm setting up like a brand new ad set, I want, let's say if I'm starting with three ads, I want those three ads to be completely different, different creatives, different headlines, different messages, potentially different landing pages, if, if it makes sense. Um, and just to see which one is performing well, like give me a clear distinction of which type of content these users like. Because if it's, if they're all pretty much the same and all you're doing is like on Facebook, three ads and only the headline is different, how do you really know what's going to make the biggest impact. Wow, you know, it, yes. It's kind of a fluke. So I want it to be completely different to get some sort of baseline of, okay, okay they liked the humor creative the best and the other two were performing like junk. Okay, so now I'm going to potentially have three different humor creatives and then switch up my message or my offer and just see if that you know, moves the needle a little bit more. Um, okay. And that's, that's the beauty of testing. You're not going to get it right all the time, but you, know, you have to at least try something new and you can't yeah. just run the same ad forever. So it's it's just test, 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 test. That's a great perspective because most people say, oh, well, you're doing A-B testing. They need to be the same thing. Just change one little thing in it, eat, you know, and keep testing. But that's a great perspective because how do you know really what to start with if you're testing a terrible ad with just a headline? There change? you go. Yes, <laughs> that, that is perfectly said. It could be, yeah. and it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. You know, it just you just may have misinterpreted a little bit of what your audience is and you just have to just try something new. So just try something new from the get-go every single ad. And then you could have a, a better kickstart to what you actually want to grow upon. Okay. Okay. Wow. So everybody, Joe's giving up a lot and I'm going to keep talking to him, but you know, I, I will be very cognizant of your time. So <laughs> So thank you, Joe, so much, because I have so many more questions and, you know, uh, I can go on and on about the different platforms, but you've given a lot to think about. Um, you <laughs> Good. Know, I would say the first thing to start is start with your audience. That was the first thing Joe, Joe said, start with your audience. Make sure you understand your audience first. When you test your ads, test everything to figure out what is going to work, but test a wide variety and then narrow down. Make sure you have a good top of the funnel, but then have a middle of the funnel that segments out those that you don't want to repeat the same type of ads for in the middle of the funnel. And your bottom of the funnel needs to be the one that you focus on because you want to see what's converting. You just want to see what works. And then figure out what platform works for you because there's several platforms out there which... I need to figure Joe's going to pass over that list of all <laughs> the list of bookmarks. <laughs> but, um, but yes, there are several different options and a lot of them I didn't even know were out there. That is amazing with Quora. I didn't even know, <laughs> um, you know, and, and then figure out how each platform works because they all work different. Absolutely. So, you know, that's, that's major. This is a major interview right here. Um, wow, I, I still can't find that mind blowing thing, but I didn't want everybody to see me trying to think <laughs> around. Maybe I'll do it in post production. I'm like, wow, that's good. <laughs> so, Joe, if if anybody is wanting to, you know, reach out to you, you know, how can they reach out to you? I know that you work with you know some major players, but you know, if anybody's wanting to reach out. You know, beyond the PPC chat, which I'll be <laughs> on. 
um, you know, how can they find you? Yeah, there's probably two uh, good ways to find me on Twitter. I Even if I'm not really active on Twitter a ton, uh, I'm always on it, you know, observing. Yeah. So on Twitter, I'm at, at Milwaukee PBC because I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So it's, it's that one's fairly easy to find. Um, and then I run a YouTube channel with one of my good friends, Michelle Morgan. It's Paid Media Pros. So YouTube.com okay. slash Paid Media Pros. Um, and then we all, our website is paidmediapros.com, but we have two videos every week released on YouTube of just kind of, you know, how to practical paid media knowledge. And actually we run through a lot of these channels, Jeff, we're, we're, we're what we talked about today and a few that we probably didn't even really mention. So if you really want to kind of get an understanding of, you know, all the different types of options you have, targeting options in terms of ad formats and how we can break it down, uh, our channel covers a ton of that. Okay. And I'll say it for him, subscribe and hit the bell. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're a better pitch man than I am. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely subscribing. I'm like, wow, this is a lot. And, and I'm happy. I'm very happy that, you know, we covered a lot of stuff that a lot of people just don't cover versus just a normal, you know, do Facebook ads, do YouTube ads, do Google ads. I mean, which is great. There's great information within that. But I love when we find some things that are different um, that can open up your creative juices and, and the spectrum that you can say, wow, okay, what happens if Facebook blocks me? Which they have been doing a lot of blocking of a lot of <laughs> accounts lately. You know, there are alternatives, you know, yep. versus I just so have many. to be on Facebook or Google. And even, even if Facebook is working for you now, even if Google's working for you right now, there still could be something better out there that could yeah. take, you know, there's always a chunk of Google that just isn't performing well, right? It's yeah. okay to pause it and test out a different channel that could actually work for you. So have them complement each other. Not necessarily, these, these aren't competing channels. They're helping you achieve your marketing goals. So use as many of them that make sense and that, that is, you can afford. That, yeah, that is a great, great right there. You know, that's a great end right there. Great end, because I was about to go on a tangent about LinkedIn and how great LinkedIn <laughs> is, uh, but I won't because LinkedIn <laughs> does work. It's a great platform, but yep. um, yeah, figure out which one works for you and your business and, you know, look forward to seeing you tomorrow on another marketing strategy session. All right. Great, great. Come on.